I'm Lauren. And I'm Ashley. And this, guys, is Nip Tuck Pod. We are your girl chat. We say the things you want to hear, the things that you're thinking but you don't want to say out loud. And we're all about being strong, aspirational women who basically don't give a... Uh, Lauren, anyway, if you want unfiltered chat, amazing beauty and product recommendations, then look no further, guys. This is the podcast where you will get all of the girly chat. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to part two of Vicky Patterson's The Secret 2 with the gorgeous Anna Mather, um, who I have selfishly, I feel like, just monopolized in some sort of way. Therapy session for the you first any time. <laughs> but no, I'm aware we have tons of gorgeous listeners who probably aren't, who might be going through some of the same things as me, but would like to feel like um, we're discussing more broader topics. So I wanted to, I wanted to go straight in, mate, and talk about your book. Um, you have three, actually. Congratulations, yeah. oh, successful busy bee. Not an and Sunday Times bestseller. That's no mean feat, Anna. Congratulations. Thank you. Oh. Thanks, do man. you do you enjoy the process of writing or do you do you get like the typical like write as block and procrastination? I, love it. And I literally <laughs> love it. I get really grumpy when I can't write um, because I, I think I it's is it a so much in my head. Yes, ah. I'm like, get it out. I want it out of my head. I want it on the paper. And I know I love it. And and I think selfishly, all of the books that I've written are, are books that I needed different points in my life and actually when you're writing it down you're constantly relearning it you're constantly reminding yourself of it so I'm doing it for me as well I I love a selfish project I absolutely do so you're preaching to the choir here um I remember when I was writing my book The Secret of Happy um and it was obviously it was an offshoot of this podcast it was based you know on things I've learned from speaking to lovely people like yourself from your life coach from your therapists from just life experiences you know but and actually things I totally thought I had processed and dealt with in a healthy way, I discovered I'd completely just compartmentalised, you know? And as I was writing, I was sobbing with me, um, with me ghostwriter, and she was like, is everything okay? I was like, well, no, I I just thought I was over this, and quite clearly, like, I still need to do some work, so... I found it really cathartic, mate. Um, did you mm. experience any? Yeah. Oh my gosh. And and actually, when I, the first one is called Mind Over Mother, and it's about anxiety. Yeah. And I think you know, as I was writing, I was thinking of some of the scenarios that actually I have so much more clarity on now. Like some of the thoughts that I had, um, some of the intrusive thoughts. And I think we're going to touch on that in a minute. Just around like dropping my baby down the stairs, crashing my car on purpose. All of these random thoughts I was having. I was like, I judged myself so harshly for I was so ashamed I was like oh my gosh what kind of mum am I what kind of person am I and I look back now and now I understand those thoughts so much more I have so much more compassion for that version of me that was you know just like I cannot talk to anyone about this what will they say about me what they say about my profession what will they say about my ability to be a mum so you know I just as I was writing I just remember the 
the shame and it's so different to the compassion that I have now. And I think that's why I'm so passionate about telling people about some of these thoughts that we have and what they mean and what we can do about them and how they're not really a statement of who we are as a person and how deserving we are of the good things in our lives and support. And yeah, so it was pretty emotional. It is going to be emotional, mate, because what I love about you is how you don't you don't just preach at people, you don't just tell people what you've read in a book. You discuss all of these topics, intrusive thoughts, anxiety, like issues around mother, from your own experience. Yeah. And I think, like, for me, that's honestly the best way to not feel sympathy, but to feel that someone's bringing you, giving you empathy. Someone understands yeah. they've walked in your shoes and... I think that's what makes you special. Oh, thank you. And I think it goes back to that thing of knowing, knowing how not alone I am in this. That I, I, that gives me the confidence to talk about my own wild, wonderful, strange brain. Because <laughs> I'm not ashamed of it and I understand it a bit more than I used to. And yeah, then we can find compassion for ourselves. And, and that's understanding. what we need. Yeah. Oh gosh, we need a lot of that, don't we? Yeah, it's mad that you bring up the intrusive thoughts, babe, because literally last night I was on Instagram. Um, fucking shock. Just <laughs> I'm a little in, scroll. Yeah, was in a bad mood with myself. I'd had a long, hard day. I'd felt like I'd done it all. So I was just doom scrolling just to make myself nope. worse, nope. to see nope. all of the just, perfect you know. houses and fucking kids in matching pyjamas when I can't even do a wash. Anyway, I um, that's me on little dark thoughts. I, um, I uh, saw a TikTok. And it was this woman and she was like holding her baby and playing with that and having like a lovely time. And it was like me playing with my happy, healthy two-year-old. Um, and then she was like, and then the intrusive thoughts hits. What if something happens and I can't do CPR? What if I have a car crash? What if I die? What if... And I read those and was initially super shocked. It was like, oh God, this poor woman. And then I thought about it for a second and I was like, you fucking do the very same thing. Yes. So you can you can get off your high horse thinking, God, this woman needs to speak to someone because we all do it. Like there's, and I thought, I do it with my law and like I do it with my career. You know, I go, like just the other day, did a little cough and I was like, right, I've got to hold him like a wheelbarrow. I've read if they're choking, you lift them up. <laughs> yeah. He was absolutely fucking fine. Like, you know, yeah. that, was, that was where my mind went. Um. So yeah, so I felt like in that, in like, I went from like, God, isn't this woman's thought process and brain like a really scary dark place to actually being like, no, oh, it's fucking exactly the same as yours can yes. be at times, hun. Yes. So, like, talk to me a little bit yeah. about intrusive thoughts because I feel like potentially we're probably all having them. A hundred percent of people get them. We might no, just not realise. hundred percent. They're just unprompted thoughts that run through our yeah. mind. That's all they are. You know, I think about some of the funny ones. Have you ever been at a wedding? You know, when they say, does anyone yeah. here present know of any reason, blah, blah, blah. And I have this thought like, oh, I'm going to put my hand up and jump up. Yeah. And, you I'm know, I'm going to wreck the whole thing and I might even like the people. Uh, you know, and it's that's an intrusive thought. Yeah. You know, I we have a lot of gift shops down here in uh, Godalming where I live. And I often have the thought of like just pushing over like whole stack of like mugs and stands of cards and just like someone what would happen if yeah right? well and the it's what? like it's like this kind of like naughty urge that I get um not the kind of naughty urge my husband wishes I have a lot more often but you know and it's like I see someone with some really long hair and I'm like I'm just gonna go and pull that like a church bell like yank and I used to have it in London and I'd have these thoughts of like I don't know like just getting someone's 
like briefcase and like throwing it on the train tracks and just seeing what happened. So we all we all identify with these thoughts, right? We all identify with I have them every night. I say night to my kids. I snuggle in my bed and I'm like, I'm going to wake up and everyone will be dead. You know, I'm, and it's just like it's just I, a moment. I totally and, know. Yeah. So we all have them. They become challenging when we start kind of giving power to them. So, for example, I used to have them driving, right? And I used to, I didn't drive very often. I avoided driving for 10 years because of intrusive thoughts. I'd imagine that I was going to swerve my wheel, cause a pileup on purpose. And I was so scared of these thoughts that I literally avoided stop. driving. I knew you were going Full to say stop. that. Yeah. Yeah? I can see that, babe. And I can see why you'd think that was the solution to that as well. I would get myself in that place as well. Yeah. But this is where the challenge comes is when we give them so much power that that we start changing what we're doing. You know, I've lost sleep and it affects because of an the quality thought. of our life, doesn't yeah. it? Yeah. Oh my gosh. The other night my husband he'd gone out for a like Christmas thing. He didn't, you know, I think he'd lost battery on his phone. But I didn't just think I was lost battery on his phone. I was like, yeah. he's dead. So then I was lying in bed thinking, oh, how am I going to plan a funeral? How am I going to tell my kids? How am I going to afford the mortgage? How? And then he strolls in at like two o'clock in the morning, right? And I'm like wide awake, full of adrenaline, being like, you're <laughs> back then. And he's like, uh, so you're not dead. Are you not? I thought you'd be asleep. And I'm like, I'm not. I've literally lived through the worst scenario and, you know, my, our bodies do not know what's real and happening no. or imagined. So our bodies have to respond to, to, to that. To whatever to our brain thought. tells them to fucking yeah, get ready for. That's yeah. terrifying. Because if we think... absolutely well, it, terrifying. You know, so this is why we have, like, often we have this, like, anxious response in our body. We feel the adrenaline, the cortisol. We can't relax. We can't be present. You know, because our minds are going all over the shop and our bodies, they're filling with adrenaline because... It thinks we're going to have to act. Our life, you know, a massive curveball is hit. Our life is changing. So once we understand these thoughts, that everyone get them, everyone gets them, why they happen and what we can do about them, we can literally buy ourselves back, like, less high blood pressure, more sleep, more, like, ease in life and more, you know, more headspace. We all need that. And, like... I feel like you could have been talking about me and I then when you were speaking and I swore I wasn't going to do this and I was going to talk about more broad things, but it's, it, I have this, so I have these intrusive thoughts and it's to the point where um, I will, if me hair and makeup artists, like my team arrive in the morning and I'm running a bit late, you know, whatever, I had a morning and I go, oh, I'm just, I quickly run in the shower, I'll be two minutes. I'll run back downstairs and grab my phone and go, I need to have me, um, put one of my shows on in the shower just so the dark thoughts don't come in. And it's, I put on a show that I'm familiar with, something that calms us, you know, whether it's like Friends or Brooklyn Nine-Nine, like some silly American sitcom that I've watched a million times because something about the familiarity soothes us. Yeah. It stops the thoughts that we've just been talking about coming into my head and taking over, like, yeah. my day. And I thought it was just me. And I call, no. them I call them me dark thoughts. No, That's what I everyone, say. Everyone, everyone has them. Everyone has them. And I can talk about the why and then I'll tell you some tips, please, right? Please, please so do. Generally, they're there to keep us safe, right? So say I'm driving down the road because I drive all the time now. Now I know what these thoughts That's are. Now girl. I know that I'm not going to cause a multi-car <laughs> car pile up on the motorway every time I get on there. Um, I, you know, I can drive because I yeah. know what they are and I still get them. 
I just, I trust myself that I'm not going to act on them. So generally those thoughts are there to keep us safe. So imagine you're driving down the road, you see a kid on a scooter along the path, like, you know, weaving along. Your intrusive thought comes of them wobbling off the pavement, right? And you're hitting them. So what do you do? You slow down. So that intrusive thought is has served a purpose there, right? Yeah. It's you've you've done something to keep everyone safe. It's shown you what could happen. And so it's useful. But what often happens is that we get pretty creative, our brains start telling stories, we take that thought, we turn it into like we from this like 2D it. thing into like this full Technicolor 4D experience theatre. Yeah. And that's where it starts getting messy, right? It's that's where you're like, I'm never gonna drive sound. next Yeah. Never going to drive next to a kid on a scooter. In fact, I'm just never going to drive because what if I do something wrong? So it's our minds playing with risk and responsibility. And it happens often even more around things that mean a lot to us, right? So as you were saying, like your job, the dog. Yeah, exactly. It's because we we feel vulnerable when we love things. We are. You know? And it's so... So interesting, yeah, Rana, that actually the seed of those intrusive thoughts is built in something, in, in, in something yeah. that's actually meant to protect us, meant to keep us safe, meant to make us do the right thing. It's just, it's amazing that there, these thoughts are, the seed of them is something that is actually, I say sane, I, I hope that's, you know, something that, do you know what I'm trying to say? Yeah, it had a purpose. They, Most yeah, likely, it had a purpose. It had a purpose. And... And, and I think that's that's it, isn't it? It's it's known that actually if you rewind back, you know, for example, my husband, like his phone being off, me then thinking that he was dead, you know, it might have actually been, oh, my, you know, I'm just going to check that he's on the right train. That might have been the thought. Oh, just make sure he's all right. He's probably had a few beers, you know. And and actually that was the maybe the initial thought was that kind of like that caretaking that, you know, just to make sure that someone you care about is OK. And then, of course, like my brain just like ran off down that path because when we're tired, when we're hormonal, yeah, when we feel vulnerable. So when we're like when we love something so much, you know, all of those things mean we're more likely to to worry about them, to think about them, to hold them in our minds and then more likely to have these unprompted thoughts that then just go a bit haywire. And it's so it's it's so true what you're saying. Like there are certain times in the month, for example, you know, we've mentioned me and you were in slightly different places hormonally today. Like you're definitely sliding into yours. I'm, I'm coming. Yeah. Oh, she's ramping up for a biggie. Oh, those intrusive thoughts are going to start making their way in. Festive hormones. <laughs> um, <Stop> and on. <laughs> I am um, on the other side of that. You know, just coming out. So. When those intrusive thoughts creep into my head today, I'll be able to say, you know, not today, Satan. And not I will. today. Yeah. Not today, Satan. I'm not going However, down that road. I'm not no. telling, I'm not creating that story. No, no, I'm no. Not, no, not a storm in a teacup in my little head today. Like I'm booked and busy and bitches got things to do. However, when I am in leading into my PMS symptoms and in the like midst of it, I actually can't. I can't differentiate between yeah. what is a scary intrusive thought and actually what is just my actual life and has and is, is true, has every basis in fact and is going to happen. And I just wondered if you had any like any tips for that sort of thing because around yeah. hormones I found everything is exacerbated, you know, like my anxiety is 10 times worse, my inner critic screams louder than ever. Like I just am finding as I get older and I that Actually, I'm I'm really struggling to deal with it all, and it, it takes 
it takes mm. the wind out of your sails. And yeah, I'm, of course it I'm, does. I don't even recognise myself, mate. Yeah, and if I could just say, oh, no. if I could oh. just say from a place of like really knowing, this is your fucking period, yeah. don't be a dickhead, yeah. it'll be the same next month and then you'll be fine. But I can't. Yeah. My sneaky okay. brain tells me that this is how I'm going to feel forever. And it convinces yeah. everything in us that it's the case. So the thing for you then is when you do have energy, energy, when you are like, yes, I've got this, I'm going to bat them off like a mm. ping pong ball and a whatever. Pew, you know, get on it. Get on it then. Start building up that awareness. Start building up the tools so that actually when, you know, when you're tired and when you're hormonal or when it just all feels too much, you've already built up some of that strength. You've built up that recognition. You, you start to identify them quicker and earlier you know so it's kind of like almost going to the gym when you've got energy so that you've got physical strength for the times that you can't go you know you're stronger than when you're not going because you're you know you're doing it more efficiently when you are so I've got some tools for you but then I'd recommend that you start using these when it feels easy to do today for example yeah start using them today so I'm gonna my first one is one that I made up it's called the mop man story so imagine Friday night, you sat down, you've got your show, you've got your chips, you've got a glass of whatever you fancy. And then the doorbell goes and you're like, for goodness sake, I was literally just about to press play on this. <laughs> and it's someone selling mops. And you're like, oh, gosh. And he's like, this is a very colloquial little oh, story. Anna, Anna, <laughs> this is, this is my, my creative brain. Um, you know, and he's like, oh, I want to come in and tell you about my super splash G20. And you're like, okay, come on in. And he comes in, makes himself at home on your sofa. Yeah. He's nicking your chips. Oh, no. He's he like, oh, yeah, well, I'm watching this. I'll sit here and watch this with you. And before you know it, he's literally in your house, like a third member, you know, another member of your family. And you're just like, how how did this happen? I know, what are you doing? It's my Friday night. But if we go back to the beginning, he turns up on your doorstep, wanting to sell you his super splash, whatever. And you're like, oh, thank you. No, I'm not interested. And off he goes. Off he Off he goes next door to bother the neighbours. But I think with intrusive thoughts, you know, it just comes unprompted. You can't control when they come. You can't control whether he chooses to you ding dong your doorbell right then or not but you can get to a place where you say you know what no I'm all right I'm not going to welcome you in to take over my brain and eat my chips you can uh, off you go and we can start to you know once we recognize that these thoughts are just thoughts they're not they're not statements of who you are or how sane you are or how much you love or care for the things in life that you love and care for. They're like passing traffic that you can just watch. So kind of you can take a step back almost in your brain and watch them happening rather. So it's like the difference between watching traffic go by your house and then getting in one of the cars, you know, going along for the ride. And knowing that these thoughts, then they're, they're, it doesn't say, it's not making a statement about who you are. You know, it's not saying you're bad, you're mad. And, and the more that we kind of let them dictate how we feel about ourselves and dictate what we think about ourselves, the more shame we're going to feel, right? I didn't talk about some of them when I was kind of postnatal because I was like, oh my gosh, like people will take my baby away if they know that I'm thinking these things. When actually when we start to understand that they're just thoughts, that our mind playing with risk and responsibility and power and vulnerability, they're not us. So I'm remove so- meaning from them. I'm so sorry you felt like that. Well, do you know what? I am not, I know 
the, the, the throwing the baby down the stairs is such a common thought postnatally because you're like, oh my gosh, I'm like, I'm, I have this tiny little vulnerable thing and I'm so responsible and I don't even feel like an adult sometimes and I have the potential to do so much you know, harm and give so much love. And what does this mean for me? And it's just your brain, your tired old brain being like, I love this baby. This is terrifying um, to think that I could do these things. Just like I'm in the car on the motorway. I'm a responsible adult, but I have so much power in my hands and that's terrifying. You know, and so it's just that awareness, really. And it's, do you know what, mate? It's so interesting that you talk about, I love, by the way, you talk so much about motherhood that journey and the things that potentially a lot of people see is like taboo yeah. um I talk about my sister and her journey a lot because she wanted a baby loads um Laura is like a natural mother and she's got her little girl now maybe will be three um very soon but actually because she, her, her route to motherhood was not like linear and there were some ups and downs, as there is for so many people. When she finally got her, like, blessing of this baby girl, she felt like she was not allowed to complain about anything. Yeah, yeah. And, and you know, like, there was, it's like, if she said anything, like, oh, I'm struggling or I'm down or I don't know if I can cope, it was almost, like, ungrateful. Yeah. And I think a lot of women feel like that, you know, and that's where this like taboo about talking about your mental health, your struggles, whatever it is, when you're pregnant, when you're having a baby, when you're in motherhood, it, it almost exists, right? Yeah. Yeah. Because you're like, how does this, you know, I think in our minds, we have like these archetypes of different position, you know, different situations. So we're like, the mum is always loving and always calm and always patient and always giving. And actually we will always have the full spectrum of human emotion, like, it's just the it's the it's the power that we give each emotion. It's, you know, actually, we're a feeling is just a feeling. It's just a human response to what is going on in front of you at any time. It's not a dictator of how grateful you are or how, you know, how privileged you recognise that you are or how in love that you are. It's just, it's just a thought. It's just you. It's and just it's, it's just a response. And it's normal and loads of people are going through it and we shouldn't be ashamed. Yeah. And if I, I would always say like if sometimes trauma, so sometimes the, the stuff that we go through. So I went through the loss of my sister when I was a child and she died when she was six. And so for me, I have a lot of uh, a lot of my intrusive thoughts around my kids getting cancer. So because I've been through that, I recognize that my brain is like, yeah, but it might happen because it did before. You know, and trauma is almost like you, you've got your favourite pair of sunnies on. They fall off when you're like picking up a dog poo and then you step in them and you're like, oh, and you put them back on and then they're cracked. And then you're walking around, and you're seeing life through these cracks like they're just always there. So if people recognise that their intrusive thoughts are always around certain things, it's so worth addressing it, getting therapy, talking about it, because it's like then, you know, you can start you can you can fix the lenses wow you know so that's worth knowing as well so they're normal we can address them we can like disempower them we can get more headspace from them but if they're like really disturbing and really upsetting you and really reoccurring get some support yeah do you know that that is you've painted the perfect mental image there and i like i for a long time my cracked lenses were all around becoming an alcoholic yeah 
being my dad's daughter. Because I, growing up, obviously his illness provided me, my family with an awful lot of trauma. Yeah. Um, and it went completely on, um, it was compartmentalised, absolutely. It went unprocessed. It, we didn't deal with it in a healthy way. We were typically working class. We just fucking mm. got our head down. Yeah, like, keep on keeping on. Yeah, didn't talk about it. Don't attract attention to yourself. Don't tell anyone, you know, it was one of them. We can cope with this. We can deal with this as a family. Um, and then as an adult, that was yeah. until very recently, until I got a lot of therapy, until there we I did go. documentary, you know, until I actually actively allowed myself to verbalise those really terrifying thoughts that I just thought I was going to end up like my dad. That was always what I saw me. Yeah, of course you did, did, my love. And I think this is it. The more we understand why we have these thoughts. So sorry, I didn't expect that. Oh, I'm a therapist. I, you know, tears are actually, you know, tears are really good. Tears are a release. And the more we understand, the more compassion we can have for ourselves. You know, the, the you that had to keep calm and carry on when there was so much going on. You know, finally some of those thoughts that were so shrouded in shame and fear. You know, this is the power of speaking them out where other God. people can say, hey, those, those thoughts were a human response to what you've been through. Of course you're terrified of that. Of course you are because of the meaning that it had for you. So this is, you know, this is so important in the documentary that you did. You're just, it's a message to everyone out there that if you are feeling like your brain is keeping holding you hostage like there is so much more for you yeah god and i really love you so much oh, i love you too i love your your openness and honesty is doing this for other people oh it is it is it is um, it is i think like a bit of a common theme about everything we've sort of discussed is that sometimes people do find it really difficult to like work out they know they're struggling or they know like the the quality of life is not as great as it should be because of certain elements of their mental health but they don't know how to to reach out to get help to sort of kick start fixing the problem and having a happy happier healthy life which everyone deserves um and i think like us as friends as family as mothers as sisters whatever it is we kind of have like a bit of a responsibility not only to allow ourselves to have this great happy healthy life but to help somebody else who potentially you can see is is really having a difficult time and how I just want to know in in your opinion how you would approach someone like a friend or a family member who you think is struggling in the best possible way like the most kind compassionate way so they feel safe that they can actually discuss these things so the approach that I'll probably take is like the advanced retreat approach so like step forward and then step back because you know as we were talking right at the beginning and you were saying you know sometimes I flip and need help but I just don't want it or I see someone saying can I can I give you a hand as this kind of statement of that you're failing I'm not doing well enough and you know I think sometimes when we see someone struggling and I've been that person when my friends have been like Anna you're not okay and I'm like I'm fine I'm fine why would you say that and I you know something I often think about for me Sometimes the biggest looking like I held, had it together was a defence against falling apart because you're not ready to fall apart. Sometimes you need to feel safe to fall apart. You might need to be at the right place to fall apart. And so what I would say is just let your friend know, hey, I'm, I'm here for you. 
I can see you're struggling. You might not want to talk about it right now, but I'm here. And then carry on talking about normal things. And then just every now and again, just just be consistent. Just be there. Just check in, even if they don't reply to you. Because sometimes people just really take a step back, don't they? They kind of go off grid when they're really struggling. But just, yeah. you know, just be there every day, even if it's just you're talking some inane rubbish about something that's going on in, in the news, anything, whatever, just to touch base with them so that they're not the ones that are having to reach out. They know that you're there on the sidelines. You know, you're standing on the sidelines waiting. So as soon as they go, you know what, actually, I'm flipping all right. You're you're there. It's just a bit of consistency with those check-ins, isn't it? Yeah. And knowing that you don't have to keep asking them if they're all right. Just be there in it, in just a check-in way. Send them a gif. Send them a meme. <laughs> Send them, you know, just every now and again, let them know that you're still on the sidelines. You're still standing there. So, you know. They don't have to they don't have to reach too far and search too hard to find someone because they know you're there. But know that also sometimes accepting that you need help is is a massive thing. It's a massive place to get to. And that only they can to get, get to that to, place. Isn't it? I know, and it's it can be the most painful thing watching someone it knowing that knowing that they need help, but they're not able to accept it yet. And I You'll absolutely kill us for saying this because it's his story, not mine. But like, I feel like sometimes Erkan, he's from this like amazing family, but they're like Turkish Cypriot strong men, you know, like four big boys, and his dad's so proud of them. And quite rightly so, they're all lovely lads, they're kind of taking up for you. But sometimes, like, I can see his, the cogs are turning and he's acting in a way that's not him. He's not happy, he's not addressing yeah. them. But I can't, I can't seem to help them. Do you know yeah, what I mean? It's and hard. Don't... It's it's so hard. I think a few things like as you're learning this stuff, as you're becoming more, you know, just aware of just accepting the different emotions that you're having and doing those little things that support you, kind of nudging that flight path of that plane. He will be watching. He will be learning. And as as you feel safer, expressing where you're at, he he's learning that as well. And I think another thing is that men often like to talk alongside. So whereas us women, like, we'll, you know, we'll sit opposite each other on the sofa, like a massive like herbal tea or whatever, and we'll have a proper chat. Like my husband will, will, is more likely to talk to a bloke when they're doing something. So like playing golf or like, you know, I don't know, whatever it is. So yeah. make sure that he's doing those things and like encourage him to do those things because with his male mates. Yeah. yeah. Do that alongside stuff because he might not want to sit there and have a chimwag on the sofa and like bear all. But as <laughs> with you a face mask more, on. <laughs> with a face mask on, a little bit of cucumber. Um, you know, as you start getting a little bit more more comfortable in that, you know, he will feel more, maybe feel more at ease. And yeah, encouraging him to do stuff alongside others is one. And just, you know, it could just be like you have a little rule, feeling need. That every day on the sofa watching TV, you're like, right, what do you feel right now? What do you need right now? You know what? I feel naked and I need to sit here. You know what? I feel stressed from work and I just need to like, oh, scream or whatever it might be. Just to start putting language in a really simple and accessible way where you don't have to like deep dive into the deep dark depths. But it's just starting just to label things. What do you need? What do you feel? What do you need? I need a cup of tea and I feel like I need a hug. 
I feel like I'm really opening myself up for I need a lot of blowjobs, which is absolutely not going to be the way this game is going to go. But I thought, oh, no. It's a a dangerous game. I will will set out some very strict parameters and rules before we start, but I'm really hoping that helps. And I feel like for someone even like Erkan, who's not the most emotionally aware and forthcoming with these feelings, even that is kind of like, I think you'll you'll be able to... You know, I think that won't be too much of a stretch and we'll be definitely yeah. able to start getting somewhere where our communication's a bit better and I feel like I'm helping him. Because I do worry sometimes, like, lads just don't have that support structure that women kind of naturally have. Yeah, you're so right. There's a lot, yeah, a lot of disconnection between men. And yeah, yeah, you're absolutely right. So hopefully that little tiny accessible tip where he will start to realise that you're not going to, like, eke it all out of him, that it's all right for him, it's enough for him to say that he's stressed because... That's just that nudge of the flight path of the plane. You know, let's just start with the labelling the feelings and then leaving it that and seeing where it takes us down the line. Anna, it's just been such an incredible pleasure talking to you today. And I know I've taken a load away from this episode and I'm sure so many of your listeners will as well. Um, I just want to say, like, if anybody has been listening to this and thinks, God, she's amazing, I want to hear more. I can't, unfortunately, have Anna as a guest on my pod every week as much as I would like. But she has her own, it's called The Therapy Edit, and it's absolutely brilliant. So make sure you're listening to that. Um, She's also got a brand new book out, haven't you? Yeah, well, so that was out in May. It's called The Little Book of Calm for New Mums. And it's just like a book with a list of emotions. And then you just pick whatever you're feeling. It has got intrusive thoughts on there. It's got rage as well, hormonal. Fucking I mean, love a bit of hormone all, rage. Oh, <laughs> I mean, let's just lump it all together, the intrusive hormonal rage emotion. Um, I would buy so that you just book pick whatever. Well. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you just pick whatever emotion you're feeling, flip to the page, and there's some kind of, you know, stuff that we've been chatting about, some insight, some compassion, because we all need more of that. We do. We yeah. need it in bucket loads. From um, others, from ourselves. Everywhere. Just like confetti. Yeah. <laughs> um, before I let you go here at Vicky Patterson The Secret 2 we always ask our gorgeous guests to give our lovely listeners um, a secret too a pearl of wisdom if you will um, just and I feel really greedy because you've already given so many already um, but I would like to you, I'd like your secret to be very broad um, so, so everybody can take something from it so I would like to know your secret to happiness oh okay so often we we jump to the worst case scenario don't we or we walk into a room and we're like people are thinking this or i've just done this bit of work and now everyone's going to be thinking this and it's just that critical isn't it it's always kind of weighted towards the mean the critical the worst case scenario so if we're good at telling stories that are bad how can we encourage ourselves to tell a story to counteract that and say that it was good so say i walk into a room I'm thinking, oh my gosh, everyone's just looked at me funny. Like, what is it about me that everyone's looking at me funny? Just think, you know, what might the positive be? Oh, someone looked as if, you know, they were pleased to see me. Someone, maybe they were just thinking nothing at all. Maybe it's quite a neutral thought. Or if I'm thinking, I'm never going to make this journey because I'm going to like cause a pile up on the motorway and everyone's going to die. What about just that positive story of being, I'm going to make it there. I'm going to have a great time. I'm going to have a lovely time catching up with my mate and then I'll get home again. You know, so if we can tell the terrible stories and the critical stories, start just introducing an alternative, a good or even just a boring, mundane, most likely scenario to counteract that. So, like, in in the same sense where, like, you wake up in the morning and for a lot of people, myself included, it's a real struggle to convince myself that the day is going to be okay, you know, that 
nobody's going to get hurt. I'm not going to lose my job on the house and everything else. And, you know, all those other ones. Wake up and change your own narrative. Like, try yeah. and tell yourself some, even just drip feed yourself smaller, little more yeah. positive facts. So it's know? just bringing it in. So it's just like turning a light on in a dark room. You know, you're not telling yourself that's a load of rubbish. That's never going to happen. Why are you always thinking this? You're just like, oh my gosh, it's going to be a terrible day. And you're like, or it could also be really boring and uneventful. Or <laughs> it could also be maybe something good's going to happen today. So you're just yeah. kind of bringing it alongside so that it's not the only narrative that's there. Yeah? It's opening your bit, bringing up to some positive possibilities, isn't it? Yeah. Giving yourself a little dose of a happy hormone. Yeah, if you're going to be creative in the bad, just, you know, stretch your brain and get creative in the good as well. <laughs> oh, Anna, thank you so much for taking the time to talk to us today. You've I've been brilliant. It. Thank you for having me. I need you on mine next. Oh, anytime, Wonderful. Just a chance to have another chat, to be honest. I'd love that. (laughs) Thank you so much. Small details are big surfaces. Tight corners are odd shapes. Flat, rounded, textured, or tall. Whatever your next project... There's a spray paint pattern that's just right. Because Rust-Oleum's new Custom Spray 5-in-1 gives you control with five different spray patterns. So you can tackle nooks, crannies, edges, and curves without worrying about drips, runs, uneven coverage, or anything else. Custom Spray 5-in-1. Only from Rust-Oleum.